This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello everyone, Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebly and Toth. So I'm straight out of the shower, just finished getting dressed, and I walk here into the studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nan is working at her computer, and in no context whatsoever, I say to her, shipwrecks are creepy. <laughs> and she looks at me sort of like a, you know, when a dog hears a high-pitched sound, kind of a tilting of the head, like, yeah. what's, what's the context here? And then I realize that I had been singing uh, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald in the shower, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. and so to me, it was not a non sequitur at all. It was just the <laughs> final thought of listening to The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Unfortunately, all she heard of that was shipwrecks are creepy. Kat and I are guilty of that same thing. Like the other day, uh, I just walked into the kitchen and I said, I, I think it was because of the yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> and in my mind, I was discussing in my head, trying to figure out why I had heartburn. Uh -huh. But I didn't let her in on that. No. And uh, it's becoming worse the older I get. I'm turning into my dad. Oh, we all we all turn into our parents, sadly. And not, not the best part of their parents either. I no, it's, no. It's, it's always the worst part. It's like yeah. de-evolution. Very good point. Hey, what would you guess? Uh, what would you guess the seven most commonly stolen items in stores? Stolen be. items in stores. Stolen okay. Items. Okay. Liquor has got to be right up there. Uh, that's number three. Number three. Very popular target for shoplifters because uh, some of the bottles are easy to swipe because they're so sold and they can be resold. Cigarettes, maybe? Uh, cigarettes, believe it or not, do not make the list. That's surprising. Yeah. What about meat products? Ding, ding, ding. Give it up for JG. That's the single most stolen thing because it has a, apparently a very high resale value. <laughs> who wants to Who wants to eat pants steak though well <laughs> meat is also uh frequently sold this way to restaurants on the black market to get as much money for the effort of shoplifting as possible wow one of the things that i learned i won't make you guess the rest number two is makeup uh in fact there are entire social media groups devoted to reselling makeup and buyers aren't able to verify whether the products are legit or stolen uh number four baby formula which is kind of Sad, because usually that means mm. people just can't afford to feed their 
babies, and so that's why... Uh, and it's so ridiculously expensive. Exactly, exactly. Number five is chocolate, because it's one of the world's most popular foods, and so that would make it one of the most popular items to uh, lift from your local grocery store. Number six, at least it's healthy, is seafood. Okay. Unfortunately, thieves have gotten this down to a science because they usually have cooler packs ready to keep the product stable until it can be transferred to a proper refrigerator. In their pants? <laughs> I think in their cars. Oh, okay. And then uh, number seven is over-the-counter medicine because it's often right. very expensive. It reminds me of a story I heard not long ago where a guy had bought a bunch of uh, bologna in Mexico uh, you know, like uncut, just big, long bologna sausages. In, huh. in, and he smuggled them in his pants over the uh, border into San Diego and was selling them at a swap meet. Who wants swap meet pants bologna? Swap meet pants bologna. Wouldn't that be a, that's a great computer password. Swap meet pants bologna. There you go. I love it. Leaving the only question, would you spell bologna, uh, you know, B-A-L-O-N-E-Y or... Bologna. Bologna. Yeah. G-A. I've heard it both ways. Well, this brings us to the story of a Florida man who is under arrest after police say he stole items from a gas station, but left his debit card with his name on it at the scene of the crime. Oh, Lord. Deputies with the... Flagler County Sheriff's Office responded to an alarm at a gas station one Sunday morning. This was actually just a few weeks ago in Palm Coast, Florida, which is uh, north of Orlando, almost exactly between uh, you and Cat and um, I think Jacksonville, right? Yeah, it sounds Palm right. Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the alarm has, has been tripped and they drive, you know, all lights and sirens as cops are wont to do. And they find the front door of the business unlocked, like somebody's been in there and just walked out. Hmm. So they start searching this gas station mini mart kind of place, and they find a debit card on the counter (laughs) near a cash register, and it's got the name of Lance Kurtz on it. So they review the security cameras, and sure enough, the footage shows a male in his early 20s, entering the store from the back and then stealing several items before just unlocking the front door and walking on out. Huh. Now, what's interesting is not only would you leave your debit card, why would you leave your debit card there, but the police actually recognized Mr. Kurtz. Oh, was he a frequent flyer? (laughs) 21 years old. They recognized him from a vehicle fire early in the night. And they actually found him back at that disabled vehicle. And they said, uh, what do you know about this burglarizing, this, this burgling of this uh, gas station mini mart? And he said, oh, yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> and so uh, the next question, what did he bother to steal? Because we've gone through the, uh, the list of the most commonly shoplifted things. It wasn't those little black ice car fresheners that are shaped like <laughs> pine trees. That's not on this list, but but when you hear the list, you're going to go, gee, why didn't he bother to, to find the uh, the pine tree air freshener? Uh, he took dog food, and you think, okay, I didn't even know you could get dog food at one of those little mini-marts, but I guess you can. An electronic tobacco device, so I'm guessing that's just a sophisticated way of saying a vape pen. Cigarillos, because who mm-hmm. doesn't enjoy his self a... 
a nice <laughs> draw on a cigarillo from time to time. They still make those? Apparently so. Wow. I didn't. I haven't seen a package of cigarillos in ages, but I, I rarely go into those uh, gas station mini-marts. Maybe I should. Next time I get a hankering for cigarillos, you know where I'm driving. When was the last time you had a, a hankering for cigarillos? It's funny you'd say that because just this morning on the hike, I was trying to remember where I was within the last week where I smelled cigar smoke and ah. thought, oh, boy, I would give anything to have a cigar. But I didn't think, boy, I'd, I'd give anything to have a cigarillo. I don't, I don't think many people have ever thought that. Somebody's buying all the cigarillos or they wouldn't be putting them in gas station mini-marts. Or they're just being shoplifted frequently. <laughs> Maybe that's it. And then the fourth item was a jug of antifreeze. What, what strikes me about the antifreeze is this is in Florida, in Palm Coast, Florida, in February. <laughs> and yeah, huh. haven't you guys been kind of like the rest of the, of the country is freezing our butts off, but you've been in shorts and T-shirts? Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's like 86 right now. Yeah. This is just one logical question after, after the next. And this final logical question is exactly what the Flagler County Sheriff's Office asked Mr. Kurtz, which was, why did you leave your debit yeah. card <laughs> with your name on it on the cash register? Uh -huh. And he said, quote, so that I could come back later and pay for it. Ah. Just so they knew my name, you know, just in case I got picked up. I didn't want to steal anything. You know that's against the law. I don't know if they teach you guys that, unquote. <laughs> okay. Bad form to insult an arresting uh, officer. That's, uh, I kind of winced when I saw that last line because I thought, you probably don't want to say to your law enforcement officer, <laughs> hey, here's how the law works, pal. Mm -hmm. So Kurtz was uh, understandably arrested and charged with armed burglary of a dwelling slash structure as well as petty theft and he has been released on a $10,000 bond. A sheriff's uh, deputy named Rick Staley said, quote, he must have really wanted those items to break into a closed <laughs> convenience store and get them. Yeah. Leaving a debit card behind does not absolve you from theft or committing a burglary. Yeah, the guy is, his car's on fire. His vehicle has exploded. It's burst into flame. And he thinks, now's a good time to go pick up some dog food and antifreeze. And don't forget the cigarillos. And the cigarillos, yes. Maybe he was going to light the cigarillo with the car fire. And put it out with antifreeze. I've never thrown antifreeze on open flame, but something tells me that might not be a smart thing to do. I would advise against that, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. just me. There is a uh, GoFundMe page that's been set up for him. They have a goal of $10,000, presumably for the bond and uh, legal representation. But as we go to press, they have raised $345 of the <laughs> 10000 yeah. So I think it's going to yeah. mm -hmm. take a little bit more in terms of donations. I got this from both Fox News and the New York Post, the tale of Lance Kurtz in Palm Coast, Florida. Florida man. I would like to think that even though that was just incredibly stupid to do, that maybe the judge, assuming this guy doesn't have a bunch of previous arrests on his record, yeah. the, the judge might look at it and go, hmm, yeah, okay, uh, we're just going to slap you on the wrist this time. I hope so. But don't, but don't do that again. 
That's just dumb. It's a teachable moment, and it sounds to me like uh, Mr. Kurtz might not have been making the best decisions at the time. So maybe, as you put it, a slap on the wrist and uh, and let's get you some help and yeah. reprioritize your life decisions. Which I guess you could say for absolutely everybody who's ever been talked about on this podcast. <laughs> and the hosts as well. Yeah, more to the point. How the hell did we end up in charge? Are we in charge? Well, I think it's actually Cat and Ann, but <laughs> they were kind enough to let us put our names on it. Don't say their names too loud. They'll come in and stop us. We'll have to do this one quieter. Shh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever gotten tired of the stock voice for your GPS in the car? Take your GPS to the next level with the real voice of actress Jennifer Coolidge. Check this out. Hey, Jennifer, what's the fastest way to the post office? Oh, the post office. Really? Um, I never really mail anything anywhere. What if you, you know, send her flowers? Uh, flowers are pretty. Let the soothing voice of Jennifer Coolidge guide you in your travels. Hey, Jennifer, where's the closest bar? Oh, what was the question? Something about a car. No, Jennifer, the, the nearest bar, you know, a, a tavern. Oh, I could really go for a cocktail uh, right about now. Your directions may no longer make sense, but think of the fun you and Jennifer will have as you drive together. Hey, Jennifer, tell me a story. Well, once I was supposed to meet this friend for dinner, but um, I couldn't find my car. So, like, after an hour, he came and, um, wait, what were we talking about? The Jennifer Coolidge GPS voice. Maybe not very accurate, but way more entertaining. I really have to pee. Like, real bad. Celebrity voice impersonated. The email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. That's the email address to use. That's what Marnie used when she wrote us this. I thought I would record myself telling this story, but I'm convinced you all will do a better job. I don't remember the episode where J.G. relayed a memory of harassing telemarketers, but I thought I should share my shallow end moment, which also encompasses my best mommy moment. My daughter, who's now 23 and still a terror, was in fifth grade. 
This story needs background. Please forgive as I tell you the color of my shoes. Dylan, my mini-me, well-deserved, wanted to go to a friend's house one day after school. I did my due diligence, met the father, put his name and number in my phone. On the day of the hangout, I told Dylan, text me the address of the house. This was before the great tech of pins and the ability for parents to track their offspring. So she did so, and I texted her that we were meeting family to watch her cousin in his soccer game. At 5 p.m., I would pick her up at 4.30. An important detail to this story, by the way, my son has a habit of clogging toilets. It began in diapers. More on this later. That's a heck of a transition. Once home from work, I'm a teacher, so my patience is normally great, I started dinner and set my son on chores and homework. He was in third grade at the time. Around 4.30, I texted Dylan that I was on the way, turned to my son, told him dinner was simmering on the stove and I'd be back in five minutes. I looked at the address, drove to the house, hopped out, knocked on the door. The sweetest, small, meek grandma came to the door and I asked for Dylan. Grandma didn't speak English or Spanish. I am fluent in both of these languages. I used many gestures trying to explain that I needed my girl. Finally, she looked at me and said, no girl here. Panic. (laughs) Panic! Exclamation mark. It had been 10 minutes. Dylan hadn't answered the text. I began calling Dylan. I began calling the dad. No answer. More panic. I frantically called, drove around. And as any frantic mother would, I forgot about dinner and my son at home. 20 minutes go by. Nothing. Now I'm in tears. Do I call Uh the police? 25, 30 minutes, 45 minutes go by. No answer, no text. I'm a mess. Finally, a call comes in from my daughter, Dylan. She had given me the wrong address and then forgot to turn the ringer on her phone after school. Oh, oh. To this day, I've not lived down the mommy scene in front of the friend's house. No, 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 no (laughs) is not the mommy moment. We drove home to find my son in a panic and dinner burned to a crisp. Remember, she was only going to be gone for five minutes. Ah. We were late to meet my mom. I tell both kids to get shoes and we'll eat later. The school is walking distance. Hold. Dylan says, now the toilet's clogged. I don't know why I thought this was the time to do this task. Instinct. It would happen two to three times daily in this house. Ah. So why not? Uh, I started plunging. All of the stress, panic, and energy was going into the toilet. The plunger moved with fury, and as I was washing away all the frustration on the clog, my phone rang. I thought it was my mom and sister wondering where we were, so I answered it. It was a telemarketer. She asked if I had the time. Sure, I said, and continued to plunge. I answered a few (laughs) questions with the phone held under my ear and continued my. my fury against the clogged toilet. This unaware telemarketer asked quite innocently, what are your favorite hobbies? Without missing a beat of the plunger, I answered, right now, it's plunging the effing toilet. She didn't (laughs) respond. Twenty plunges went by. She finally timidly answered, this doesn't sound like a good time to talk right now. Should I call later? Sure, I said, and let the phone drop to the ground. I was later gifted a golden plunger by my sisters for that birthday. It still proudly hangs in my bathroom. We made it to the game. Two hours later, we were walking back home when I stopped on the field and doubled over with laughter as I remembered what had happened that day. (laughs) I just told someone my favorite hobby was unclogging effing toilets. Wonderful. Much love, Marnie. Thank you, Marnie. Oh, what a story. That's a hell of a story. And how many people go through something like that and then get gifted a golden plunger by your siblings? Very, very few. And if you got a golden plunger, wouldn't you hang it in your bathroom? Actually, I'd probably hang it in my living room where more people would see it. (laughs) Maybe shadow boxed. With a velvet background and a little plaque on it. little gold plaque that says, break in case of emergency. (laughs) Always appreciates your emails. 
The address, as always, is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Send them on in. Very quickly, one more from uh, a woman named Beth. She says, hello, strangers, friends. A few episodes ago, you mentioned not having a specific name for audience-submitted stories. These stories are often shorter than your research tales. One might even say they're slimmer or skinnier. It seemed to me prudent to suggest the phrase skinny dips to refer (laughs) to these smaller forays into the shallow end. I love that. I noticed on Instagram, people are starting to use ripple effect for coincidences that they've had involving um, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I love that. On an unrelated note, I'm a high school teacher, and one of the required speeches is the informative speech listening to you the last few months and to box since early double-digit episodes that made these speeches nigh on unendurable. There is so much more interesting, hilarious stuff in this world. If I have to listen to another five minutes on some random, unremarkable basketball player, I'm going to snap a whiteboard marker in two. Thank you for making my life more interesting and magical. Love to both of you and your talented, lovely wives, Beth. Thank you, Beth. I love when, when teachers who have to put on a good, cheery face like everything's just great actually let their hair down and tell you stories about how much they hate their students under their breath because they all want to yes this is why we didn't use beth's last name i think that's that's wise that's just wisdom yeah and we love hearing your stories whether you uh you tell them to us yourself or you send it in an email or whatever however you do it we do particularly love the stories though that you tell in your own voice that you record on your smartphone and uh email to us and then we'll produce it with the appropriate cartoon sound effects and music that's what the pros do lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, And was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MKUltra? Wait, what? (laughs) Anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. I bet you have a story too, JG. Oh, my friend, my dear friend, I do indeed. 
Only because this is episode number 41, and I'm starting to see a, a pattern here, because we've done 40 of these podcasts so far. And so far, ne- neither one of us have has disappointed the other without having a not topic. Not having a story. By not yeah. having a, yeah. You know, it never occurred to me that that might happen. I, I have wondered, as you and Kat have talked about for ages, about Box. Um, when's the when's the first time that you're both going to have researched and show up presenting the same story? It's inevitable. But it never occurred to me that <laughs> one episode there would be like, no, I really don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could happen too. In fact, that's yeah. inevitable as well. Yeah, yeah. So Kat and I, as you know, we were recently in Thailand and we had the privilege of going to an elephant nursery near Phuket. I think I saw photos from, of that, didn't I? Yes, This was a place where they care for and rehabilitate elephants that have been rescued from circuses and sideshows and those types of things. Bless their hearts. These creatures are so beautiful and gentle. Obviously, they they could crush your head like a grape if they wanted to. (laughs) Elephants uh, just rock. Oh, they do. And and they were just, they would gently take a banana from your hand with their trunk and then afterward, as almost like it was a thank you, they would wrap their trunk around you and give you a hug. How sweet is that? And if you're standing beside them, what they would do is they would gently lean into you like your dog does when you're scratching its ear. They just seemed, at least these elephants, just seemed so appreciative that people weren't making them stand on stools and things. Right. So when I came across this story involving an elephant, it caught my attention. And the story goes like this. In 1998, in Paderborn, Germany, a zookeeper by the name of Friedrich Reinschfeldt was tasked with uh, caring for the elephants. Cool. Friedrich Reinschfeldt. His job was not only, it, it not only entailed the feeding and daily care of the elephants, like, you know, bathing them, and, but also he would help administer any medical attention that the elephants may need with the help of an on-site vet. Very sweet. Most of the time, the two elephants on site were very healthy, but occasionally there was one elephant whose name was Stefan. Stefan, Stefan the elephant. Stefan the elephant. What a great name. Stefan occasionally suffered from constipation, as we all do. Sure, poor boy. Now, there are many ways to treat a constipated elephant, um, from from diet changes to enemas to animal laxatives. That first part of your sentence sounded like something from a Monty Python sketch. There are many ways to treat a constipated <laughs> elephant. And normally, as was the case with Stefan, a simple diet change would solve the problem. One would think. Usually, it was providing more berries and figs and prunes to Stefan. So this was the first thing Friedrich did. And then he waited. And usually this did the trick, but this time for some reason it did not. Hmm. So he decided he was going to go the animal laxative route. Oh boy. Now the story goes there was a supply of animal laxative on site. And since the vet was not there that day, he grabbed a couple of them and fed them to Stefan. <laughs> and then he waited. Still no movement. I'm curious as to where he he stood (laughs) while waiting for this to take effect. (laughs) So it's nothing's happening and he's he's getting concerned. So what do you do? You give the animal more laxative. More of it. Yep. Still nothing. So Hmm. he gave Stefan more laxative. Oh, boy. And then some more. In all, Uh it was said, he gave the elephant 22 doses of animal laxative. And then he waited. Holy cow. Still no results. 22 doses. 
Friedrich is Ew. now very concerned about the well-being yeah. of the constipated elephant. So he decides that uh, he'll give the uh, elephant another bushel of prunes and figs and berries and also administer an olive oil enema to this giant pachyderm. Oh. He's going all in on this. I admire the dedication. Who wouldn't? So he goes and he gets another bushel of fruit and he feeds it to Stefan. And while the elephant is eating the fruit, he goes back to the animal care facility and gets the olive oil <laughs> enema, some rubber gloves and a protective smock. <laughs> As we all do. Sure, sure. Who among us? By the time he returned, Stefan had finished the bushel of figs and prunes and berries. So Friedrich prepared the olive oil enema and went to administer it, which he did. And apparently that's all it took for the several bushels of figs, prunes, and berries and 22 doses of animal laxative to kick in. (laughs) And that's good news. That's what we wanted, right? Except... As you pointed out, Friedrich was not in the right position. Since he had just administered the enema, he was standing directly behind the elephant at the time. Oh, Friedrich. And the elephant's bowels emptied with an unimaginable force rarely seen in nature. (laughs) Over 200 pounds of elephant feces came flying out of Stefan's anus like a series of incendiary cluster bombs dropped through the payload bay door of an airborne B-17 flying fortress. Now that's some writing. Police detective Eric Byrne was quoted as saying, the sheer force of the elephant's unexpected defecation knocked Mr. Reinsfeld to the ground where he struck his head and lay unconscious as the elephant continued to evacuate his bowels on top of him. Oh my God. He was buried under 200 pounds of elephant poop. Oh, my Lord. And he laid there for over an hour before a co-worker wandered by and noticed the sleeve of his protective smock poking through the pile of dung. Unfortunately for Friedrich, it was too late for him. He, he actually succumbed to suffocation by elephant dung. Holy cow, really? Police spokesman Eric Byrne went on to say, quote, it seems to be just one of those freak accidents that happen. Well, I was going to say, why did a police detective get quoted? Where, why would you need the police? But you just answered it. Now, it's important to note that there are many who say that this story is not true and that it's um, and they base this on the fact that uh, Paderborn, Germany, does not have a zoo. And uh, that this has simply become an urgent legend. But either way, it's certainly worth a telling or two, I, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with this happened. Yeah, me too. And it reminded me of a story. And this, is tr- this I can absolutely verify is true because it happened to me. I was there. As a kid, I remember being taken to a circus with one of my best friends and his family. It was my friend and his sister and myself and their parents and my friend and i were 12 at the time his sister was eight their parents um they piled us into a car and drove us geez it must have been like two hours to where the circus was uh performing it was uh, in bangor maine and Mm -hmm. we lived in uh northern maine at the time their father had somehow got some comp tickets from a client uh for the circus so these were as he said good seats they were right down front he kept bragging about what good (laughs) seats they were so So there we were, we're sitting in the front row at the circus. My friend and I were sitting together and we were on the left side. The parents were in the middle and the sister was on the far right. Okay. And um, before they started the elephant act, 
they brought the elephants through and paraded them around the ring. It's kind of like a circus tradition, I guess. Sure. And sure. My, my friend's father was right. These were great seats. The elephants were led and then stopped right in front of us where one of the ele- elephants was coaxed by its trainer to stand on its hind two feet, which it did. He was just just past Mike, my friend, and, and I, when while standing on two feet, the elephant let loose a thick stream of cloudy urine that completely covered his sister and mother. Uh. <laughs> I remember it hitting them with such force it knocked his sister, uh, Barbara, off of her seat. Oh, uh, wow. And, and it, the best way I could describe it was if you, if you somehow shot brackish pond water mixed with slaughterhouse <laughs> runoff through a high-pressure fire hose... Holy, holy. This was the best circus act I ever saw. Yeah, the greatest show on earth indeed. I got to tell you, every circus I went to after that was a horrible letdown. It was a letdown. Where's the (laughs) elephant pee part of the act? (laughs) I was duped. I thought this happened at every circus. I was snookered. Did they they stay like through the end of the circus or was it, all right, everybody, we're leaving? No, we had to leave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we actually when we got outside because it wasn't in a tent, it was like in a in an arena kind of thing. And we sure. got outside, and um, uh, one of the people that uh, saw it escorted us out and took us to uh, like a utilitary room, like a, like a, where they would do laundry and stuff there, and uh, right. allowed them to uh, to clean up there. Mike and I just wanted to we wanted to see the monkeys, so we went back in. <laughs> We want to see the monkeys. Well, we're not stupid, Linz. No, no. And, you know, red-blooded American males. <laughs> Do I want to see monkeys? Hail, yes. Of course. Show me them monkeys. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us uh, on the shallow end because otherwise it would be really lonely here. It would be sort of just a waste of time for, it would be. for all of us. Yeah. And uh, I, I frankly would find it embarrassing. Sitting here just just chattering to ourselves with absolutely no listeners whatsoever. Actually, now that I think of it, that's all we've done our entire lives. That's true. But it seems to be it seems to be working out. <laughs> Love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Email us uh, at lifeguard at shallow dot com. And thanks, as always, for your uh, subscription and your five star reviews. We truly appreciate it. And our advice to you dear swimmer, is uh, make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toph. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.